today on Ag News Daily. So the program started in 1948 when Wisconsin was 100 years old and Alice in Dairyland has spanned for over 75 years now. May 31st, 2023, last Ag News Daily podcast of May. Tanner Delaney here to get you caught up to date and fill you in on what's happening around the country as far as Ag News is going. How's Delaney this morning? I cannot believe that we are almost into the month of June, Tanner. Yeah, it's going to be here tomorrow, whether we want it to be or not. Well, it may not be for everyone. (laughs) that's morbid we'll we'll not walk down that path oh (laughs) see i went straight to people around the country around the world that might already be in june therefore today is tomorrow for them Mm. but let's get or is today yesterday Ooh, today could be yesterday yeah, that's still plenty uh, for our listeners to digest here right away. So let's get into some weather news. Now some of these areas that have been dry are seeing flash flood warnings and flood advisories. Kansas has more thunderstorms projected to roll through their area today. According to the National Weather Service, about 5 a.m. this morning, they'd already received four to six inches of rain. And another inch or two is expected to come their way. Flash flooding can occur and would expect it to begin shortly. The heavier the rainfall is planning to move south, while moderate to heavy rain is likely over the next few hours this morning. The Southern Plains, meanwhile, have more severe thunderstorm warnings being issued near Amarillo and the Texas Panhandle. Winds could gust up to 60 miles per hour and hail is expected. Torrential rainfall could come with this storm, which may also lead to flash flooding. Delaney, last night uh, I went this morning out to my rain gauge to see how much rain I'd got, and it was exactly three inches of rain. And uh, as I sent a Snapchat around to my neighbors and family, come to find out I think somebody just filled my rain gauge up to three inches. (laughs) Really? You think that you had a neighbor that filled it? Absolutely, because the general consensus throughout everybody else here in central Iowa is one to two tenths of rain overnight, which I didn't see any puddles that three inches would command. So, yes, I believe somebody, neighbors or kids, uh, (laughs) duped me a little bit. Oh, my gosh. Sorry, but that made me laugh this morning. So I appreciate that. That's a little bit of humor (laughs) for us today. Uh, But... Tanner, the weather has not kept farmers out of the field as we saw in yesterday's USDA Crop Progress reports. 92% of the U.S.'s corn crop is planted, and a lot of it is doing well. As we look at the crop as of May 28th, we're up 11 percentage points compared to the week prior, and quite a bit of it is in good conditions. But Specifically, Tanner, North Dakota caught up to its usual pace and is 72% planted. So the prevent plant acres discussion we were having a couple weeks ago sounds like it's off the table. When we look at crop progress, 72% of corn has emerged as of Sunday, up 20 percentage points from the previous week. And as far as crop conditions go, the nation's corn crop was rated 69% good to excellent, which A year ago this time, we were at 73% good to excellent, so a little bit lower, but still looking pretty good overall. 
Soybeans also sped up last week, moving ahead 17 percentage points from the week prior. As of Sunday, 83% of the nation's soybeans are planted. Crop progress pegged at 56% of soybeans emerged as of Sunday. And conditions are also doing well there, although we won't have our first conditions report, I believe, until next week. And on the winter wheat side of things, crop development is looking good. 72% of winter wheat was headed nationwide as of Sunday, and conditions rated 34% good to excellent, so up just slightly from the week prior. Yeah, that uh, we certainly saw some good growing conditions, which helped get those crops out of the ground. Going to hit us with a couple of legal updates. Easter Day who has been uh, convicted of his fraud scheme. Cody Allen Easterday is now permanently banned from the commodity trading platform and is expected to pay $1 million in fines to the Commodity Futures Trading Commission as part of a consent agreement filed by the federal court last this week. Easterday is currently serving an 11-year prison sentence in California, for pleading guilty to one account of wire fraud and in a $246 million scheme that included billing Tyson fresh meats for feeding cattle that didn't exist. The federal judge has ordered Easter Day to make $244 million in restitution. He was sued by the CFTC on March 31st, 2021, and uh, this ban is now fallen upon him for any and all future trading responsibilities. However, Delaney, the ban does not include his business entity, Easter Day Ranches, which is also a part of this scheme. We've also got an update on the organic crops conspiracy out of Minnesota. A second man has pleaded guilty to crop fraud. The man involved with the alleged organic crops conspiracy pled guilty to making a false statement, and he could spend up to 14 months in jail. Adam Clifford Olson, owner and operator of Olson Seed LLC in Wyndham, Minnesota, would have a January 11th indictment against him dropped as part of an agreement with prosecutors for coming forth with evidence. The Minnesota farmer James Wolf that pled guilty to one account of wire fraud earlier in May for his role in the scheme of selling $46 million in non-GMO corn, soybeans as an organic crop, stated that Olson in his plea deal stated he misrepresented what the seed was when signing a crop insurance form to ensure that uh, Olson was the one here making sure that Wolf got extra federal crop insurance subsidies just shy of $70,000 worth because of the verification coming for seed being planted. So two court updates there. Again, just don't do bad things and bad things won't happen to you. Well, Tanner, for our animal science, our animal producers, we've got some news here I wanted to reiterate. This is something I think that's flown under the radar largely for the most part. But in 2021, the FDA established guidance outlining the transition of certain over-the-counter antimicrobial products for animals to now need a prescription status. That was announced in June of 21 and goes into effect officially June of 23, which of course is tomorrow. 
To help prepare for the transition, FDA's Center for Vet Medicine is conducting outreach to increase awareness about this expected change, but ultimately ask your veterinarian if you have questions about this. And Tanner, we're working to get an interview lined up to talk more about what specific antimicrobials this affects and how to potentially plan ahead on your operation if you've been getting these drugs over the counter and now we'll need a prescription. What are some things to think about as you make that transition? Yeah, that's uh, that's interesting. I can't wait to dive into that interview. Got another interesting story to share here. In 2018, so not brand new news, but resurfacing, the University of Illinois Urbana-Champaign Their main campus was set to demolish a barn on campus. On demo day, an associate professor of soil sciences walked into the old dilapidated barn to see what was ahead of him and stumbled upon a -a once-in-a-lifetime discovery. This barn contained nearly 8,000 mason jars filled with soil from Illinois dating back to 1862. There's been 450 sampling locations spanning 21 million crop acres, now becoming the world's largest soil archive. The reason this is being brought back to the surface today is this old collection is now getting revitalized for comparisons. Each one of these jars contained a sample date, a location that included state, county, track, and plat number, as well as a map to where the soil sample was taken. So now researchers are going to revisit all of these sampling spots and compare the organic matter and soil makeup to some cases over 120 years difference in the collection of the original soil sample and the ones that will be taken care of here coming down the pipeline. Permitting landowners allow them to go back and do the sample in the same area. They will look at pulling a sample at one and a half meters and three meters. They will utilize a 10 to 15 foot area as indicated by the original soil samples. So it's kind of neat there, Delaney, as we talk uh, future conversations this week about the importance of the soil and as things are put together, kind of neat to find out what the results of this survey, once they get all these samples put back into place, is going to tell us. Yeah, we're going to be talking about soil health, not to give too much on the podcast away later this week with one of the fathers, probably Tanner, of soil health. So stay tuned for that, listeners. But have some additional information about the bill, the debt ceiling bill called the Fiscal Responsibility Act that was released over the weekend and passed by Representative Kevin McCarthy and signed off by President Biden. It's largely expected to go through a vote today in the House and hopefully will pass today. The Senate will be after that, of course. But this bill, Tanner, gave up some interesting changes uh, that are starting to come to light now. But A key part of the bill changes eligibility under SNAP or the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program for single people in their 50s could take away some dollars allocated toward rural broadband and other funds from the USDA, but the bill does keep largely intact ag dollars. Um, But there's the big question mark that, you know, this was a topic when I was in D.C. last month, 
the administration has talked a lot about these ad hoc programs that we see coming to light in agriculture when we have natural disasters. And they were trying to find some funds to figure out how to fund those permanently. And it sounds like this debt ceiling bill doesn't necessarily allocate dollars toward that. However, it does keep intact much of the Inflation Reduction Act, including renewable energy tax credits and funding provided to the USDA for conservation programs. They also said that the bill doesn't affect Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, or benefits for veterans. And there could be some other unsuspecting cuts that come later on, Tanner. But all in all, it sounds like they raised this thing for the most part and didn't too mu- do too much to cut dollars for the most part. But um, the SNAP piece, I know, was a huge, piece, a huge contention point. So hopefully that does not hold things up in the House or the Senate. But that's kind of what all eyes are watching right now because the new bill here stresses changes in eligibility for able-bodied adults up to 55 years of age and would lead to more people taking eligible jobs. But it does protect the ability for states to maintain those job waivers in areas with high unemployment rates. But all in all, it's focused on getting people back into work if they are able-bodied. Hey, that's uh, extra motivation there that we'd like to see. I'm going to spend the next couple of minutes here hitting some random headlines to wrap up my news for today. We've got uh, updates coming out of Russia and Ukraine. Russia has pledged to continue to improve their air defense system while also ramping up production of weapons and other military equipment. The Brian-esque drone attack, multiple drones have been shot down near Russia's region. The state news agency is reporting, however, in eastern Ukraine, shelling forced people to evacuate. Five people have been confirmed killed and 19 others injured. Russia's President Vladimir Putin says that Kiev is looking to provide intimidation on these drone attacks over the Russian border right now and states that Russia will mirror their actions. So expect for there to be more forces entertaining uh, strikes within Ukrainian territories over the week as it continues. Going to successful farming, I had uh, always loved their all around the farm categories. And one that stuck out to me this morning was a ball hitch adapter for the tractor drawbar. You look at this picture and it is a Uh, tube steel with balls that are fastened to the end, but has a hole drilled to where you could insert a hitch pin, Delaney. So I encourage our listeners to go out to Successful Farming and look at that article here. If you need a ball on your tractor to move trailers around, especially if it's snowy or in muddy conditions, here's a quick ball adapter that this Richard Hemish from Canby, Minnesota created. He last welded, I guess the balls are welded on. They could also be bolted on. But as far as it goes, uh, he found a piece of heavy walled tubing large enough to slide over his tractor's drawbar, cut it, and created the ability for it to quickly adapt. And then leading into our conversation today, Delaney, the U.S. government could be looking to buy 47 million pounds of cheese for local food banks and schools. 
a dairy analysis said that this could be a game changer for demand and milk prices. The solicitation for cheese was posted on the government's website last week as the first step in a long process, but this would be the first part of a purchase that could drive huge demand for dairy producers. We had looked at a purchase somewhat like this projected would be about 2 million pounds of cheese moved into the USDA, but 47 million is significantly larger than the original 2 million. So when you break it down, you're looking at here, that's 1,900 truckloads of cheese that could be delivered. So we'll see if that continues to progress. I figured I'd tease a little bit our conversation for today, Delaney. I know you stole that story right out of a hand scanner, <laughs> but that's a lot of cheese. That'd be, yeah, I can't even fathom how much cheese that is. Yes, that uh, is a ton. And that was a very poor pun. Well, that story is largely expected to give a boost to the dairy markets, Tanner. So what do you say we take a look at where markets are for today's opening session? Let's do it. As we head into the open here, folks, the July corn contract is down 11 and three quarters cents at 582. New crop corn down 12 and three quarters at 512 and a half. July soybeans down 24 and a quarter cent at the overnight to open at 1272 and a quarter. November new crop beans will open at 1132 and a half down 20 and three quarters cents. Hard red July winter wheat sheds 16 and a quarter cent in the overnight at 764 and a half. As we hop over here into the livestock markets, taking a look at where things closed yesterday, August live cattle added $2 at a buck 6717 and a half. August feeders added 385 to close at 237.77. A good day there for the cattle complex. And lean hogs had a good day as well, closing limit up at 79.52 and a half in the July contract. And because today's conversation is dairy themed, as Tanner alluded to there, the class three July milk futures yesterday shed seven cents at 1625. So didn't quite get a bump from that dairy story, but are anticipated to later in the year when that purchase goes through. So Tanner, without further ado, let's kick it over to our conversation today, chatting about a program within the dairy industry. Tanner, you may have heard of the movie Alice in Wonderland, but what about Alice in Dairyland, which is a program started in the state of Wisconsin. And we are honored today to be chatting with the 2023 Alice in Dairyland, Ashley Hegenow, who is from the home state of Wisconsin there. Ashley, super excited to chat with you about this program and just about your background in agriculture. Yes, thank you so much for having me. It's quite an honor to be serving as Wisconsin's 76th Alice in Dairyland here in the next year and super excited to share more about the program here today and what it really means for Wisconsin and agriculture in general. Wow, 76 Alice in Dairylands. I didn't realize the program dated it back quite that far. Yes, so the program started in 1948 when Wisconsin was 100 years old and Alice in Dairyland has spanned for over 75 years now. And the program serves as Wisconsin's official agriculture ambassador for Wisconsin agriculture and agriculture in general. So it's quite a tradition in the state of Wisconsin and a widely recognized program to represent agriculture and its hardworking people. 
Wow, that's a, a great heritage and sounds like a really good mission. Why don't we introduce you to our listeners? Tell us a little bit about yourself. So my name is Ashley Hagenow, and I grew up in Poinette, Wisconsin, so about 30 minutes north of Madison. And I did not grow up on a farm, but my involvement in agriculture began with youth organizations like 4-H and FFA, where I exhibited livestock species and gained public speaking skills through dairy cattle judging and serving in leadership roles within those youth organizations. And this love for and involvement in agriculture then led to my attending the University of Minnesota, where I graduated just a few weeks ago with a degree in agricultural communication and marketing. And while I was a college student, I was involved in organizations such as the National Agri Marketing Association, the Gopher Dairy Club, and also served in various student worker roles on campus. And I also held various internships, including experiences with marketing agencies, serving in an editorial role for Progressive Dairy Magazine, and also had various media internships with shows such as World Dairy Expo. And so all of these experiences combined allowed me to gain storytelling skills and highlight the important people in agriculture, which is a lot of what Alice in Dairyland does, which is what inspired me and motivated me to pursue the role of the 76th Alice in Dairyland. And I'm really excited in the next year to apply a lot of those skills I've learned growing up and throughout college and continue to grow in those areas of communications and marketing and public relations and education on behalf of agriculture. So Ashley, as you get ready to take on your year-long role here as Alice in Dairyland, what did the process entail to get to this point? You mentioned you just graduated from college. So talk to us a little bit more about how that process went during your senior year here. Great question. And it's certainly one of the more intense job interview processes from start to finish. So as I mentioned, I did just graduate from college and this journey for me began honestly quite a few years ago in having met some of the former Alice in Dairylands and just being exposed to the program here in Wisconsin. It was somewhat a dream of mine in the back of my head that I was like, oh, this might be something really fun to pursue for me when I get to that point in my life where I'm deciding maybe what's next for my career. And so the process to really put into action this dream started for me back at the first part of this year and even last fall, really thinking about serving in the role and what that process looks like. But for anyone who does apply for Alice in Dairyland, it starts with an application, usually the first part of each year. So I submitted an application back in January. And then from there was a preliminary interview with a panel of three individuals who have experience with Wisconsin agriculture and various organizations. And from that preliminary interview, then there was six of us as top candidates that were selected to start the journey as a top candidate towards becoming the next Alice in Dairyland. So that took place at a press briefing middle of March in Wisconsin, Walworth County specifically, as that was the host county for the Alice in Dairyland finals this year. And since that press briefing that took place middle of March, each week leading up to the Alice in Dairyland finals that took place the middle of May were different trainings. They call them marketing and communications trainings with various commodity partners and different organizations in Wisconsin that work with the Alice in Dairyland program, such as Dairy Farmers of Wisconsin, Wisconsin Cranberry Growers, the Ginseng Board, and a few other partners that 
allowed all of us as top candidates to learn more about these different organizations and how they work with the Alice in Dairyland program throughout the year. And then also as that top candidate process that took place from mid-March to mid-May, we as the six top candidates completed various components of assignments that we would then put into practice at the Alice in Dairyland finals. So that included preparing speech outlines, preparing interviews for radio and TV interviews that took place at the finals and a few other assignments that we were all evaluated on as top candidates. And as I mentioned then, once we were in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin is where the Alice in Dairyland finals took place here just a few weeks ago, we really put into practice all of those different elements such as conducting a television interview, a radio interview, going on agribusiness tours and promoting what we learned and those different businesses in Walworth County, presenting final speeches on different commodities here in Wisconsin. And it's truly a very intense process, but one that prepares you if selected for the role of Alice in Dairyland, because that is what the role entails throughout your year promoting Wisconsin agriculture. So while there was a lot of different components and a lot of time that was put into becoming Alice in Dairyland, it truly pays off in the end because you do feel prepared to step into that role and really hit the ground running once I will start officially on July 5th. Wow, that was very extensive. So yes. why <laughs> why go through with it all? What What drives you to want this role? I think what it really comes down to me for is the whole Alice in Dairyland program in general is so important to Wisconsin agriculture and agriculture in general because Alice truly serves as a connection point to all of Wisconsin agriculture and the people and the farmers and the processors who truly drive this industry forward. And that's what ultimately drove me to this role is having the ability to serve as that connection point to a wide variety of consumers across the state of Wisconsin and even occasionally outside of Wisconsin to share the messages of how our food is produced and how many different products are produced for all of us as consumers to enjoy and really put a face to the industry of agriculture through representing those farmers and processors. So that's what ultimately drove me to want to pursue the role of Alice in Dairyland and continue that tradition as we talked that's been taking place for over 75 years now. And I'm just excited in the year ahead to develop those connections with farmers, with processors, with consumers all across the state to really continue sharing the stories and messages of agriculture and the people who make it possible. Cause it's really all about the people too, at the end of the day, sharing their stories and why they get to do what they do, especially within the industry of agriculture. So Ashley, as you mentioned there, you don't start officially in your role until July 5th, and then you'll be there for the next year following. What are you looking forward to most in your role? And I'm sure we'll need to get a, another conversation on the books with you after you've dug into your role and, and look back at your year, but what are you yes. really excited for heading into it? Oh my gosh. I am so excited for so many different things. I would say going back to that connection piece is really just having those impactful and insightful one-on-one -on -one conversations that you might come across at a county or, or the state fair here in Wisconsin or you know at a breakfast on the farm that might take place or an event tied back to agriculture or just in the grocery store, you know, handing out different food samples to consumers. 
I'm really excited for those one-on-one -on -one connections that I will be able to build and foster throughout my year as Alice in Dairyland and the, the travel just to see different aspects of the state of Wisconsin that I probably haven't even been able to see before is what I'm really excited for in the upcoming year. Just hearing those stories, seeing different parts of the state and really being able to build connections with all, all different types of consumers and farmers and agribusinesses here in the state of Wisconsin. Those are just a few things I'm looking forward to. And yes, I would love to uh, connect, you know, here in a couple months or even at the same time next year to recap on the year. But I'm sure there's so many exciting opportunities and memories awaiting me and really excited to get started here the first part of July. So as you are in this role, our listeners enjoy being helpful. Is there anything our listeners can do to help make this year really impactful for you? Gosh, that's a great question. I would say, you know, quite a few of us probably tuning in are involved in the industry of agriculture. So for those for those viewers just continuing to share what they get to do as agriculturalists, whether it's on the farm or off the farm and continue spreading the good word of agriculture. And also if folks are interested in following along with my journey as Alice in Dairyland and learning more about the program's history and its tradition here in the state of Wisconsin, I would, I would certainly encourage folks to check out Alice in Dairyland on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn as well as the Alice in Dairyland website. And this is all through the Wisconsin Department of Agriculture, Trade and Consumer Protection is where the Alice in Dairyland program is housed. So there's great resources on their website and social media platforms as well to learn more about Wisconsin agriculture and all that entails our state's diverse agricultural industry. Awesome. Well, Ashley, we are certainly wishing you the best of luck in your new role. And thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. It was really fun getting to talk more about this program and hopefully we'll connect again soon to share more about all that I've been up to um, in the next year. Well, I mean, it's always fun to catch up with those excited about the ag industry in general, as well as specific sectors. So thanks for lining that one up. I thought that was a fun one, Tanner. I had no idea this program existed until I met Ashley a few months ago, but certainly a cool program for young women out there interested in the dairy industry in the state of Wisconsin. Yeah, no kidding. And over 70 years of history. So exciting there, listeners. If you know of things like this that we aren't aware of, make sure you reach out on social media and tag us in a post so we can look into it ourselves. But for today, what do you say, Delaney? Should we let the listeners go? Let's let them go. 